All right, well, thank you all for coming here this morning. When you heard I was preaching, you still showed up. That's pretty awesome. Appreciate that. I'm going to put a timer on for 30 minutes. My dad said if you, if you, uh, you if, what did he say? I'm trying to remember. If you can't strike oil in 30 minutes, quit boring. That's what he said. So, but this morning, I want I continue to talk about emotional vulnerability. How many like this topic? <laughs> Six, seven, eight people. Okay, so eight people. That's fabulous. Way to go. I'm with you, right? Because we need to go below the surface and find out what, what is actually there. Some of it is good. Some of it may not be so good. But we're going to talk about what does it mean to be emotionally healthy Christian adults. Ooh, that's a big topic to try and hit in 30 minutes. I can tell you that. I have personally obviously enjoyed some of this myself. I have learned that there is a deep connection between loving God, loving you, and loving myself. There is a deep connection in that, and I want to discover some of that with you today. So I want to hit three points. We're going to look at the difference between emotional immaturity and emotional maturity. We're going to look at that. The second thing we're going to look at is what tools can we have to get through conflict? Not just get over conflict, or how about not get through it at all? We're going to jump into some tools of what it means to actually get through conflict. And then how do you practically apply all of this? Those are the things and the steps that I want to go through with you today. But trust me, it's going to be a bit of a fire hose, okay? So are we ready this morning? Anybody who knows me knows that I'm going to look for participation. So today is going to be one of those days, all right? So I'm going to ask for some participation. One of the books we're going through is, oh, I guess I better start the timer. Oh, there, good. I had five free minutes. One of the books we're going through is Emotional Healthy Spirituality with, with Peter Scazzaro. And one of the things that he says, just for review, I just want to kind of bring this up just to kind of lay the foundation as we go through this morning. Becoming an emotionally mature Christian adult is to recognize that loving well is the essence of true spirituality. How many want to learn to love well? I mean, that's the essence of true spirituality. Out of our connection with God, with ourselves, we learn a simple but powerful truth from Jesus, and that is that loving God Others, and especially ourselves, exists in an unbreakable union. That's what he says. So we're going to jump into a story in the Bible. Okay, it's about this guy that went traveling, and he got mugged and robbed and beaten and left for dead. We're going to jump into that story this morning. And as we do, I want you to consider three questions. How are you affected by listening to this story. Number one. Number two, what do you feel towards or what are your judgments about the different characters that we are going to encounter in this story? Become aware of your judgments, your labels about these people. And let's be honest with ourselves. What would we have done? What would we have actually done? So we're gonna jump into Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25. There it is. 
Then an expert in Moses' teaching stood up to test Jesus. And he asked, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answered him, What is written in Moses' teachings? What do you read there? And he answered, Well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. I want you to remember that. And Jesus told him, you're right. Do this and life will be yours. But the man wanted to justify his question. He wanted, to, he wanted Jesus to say, well, who's my neighbor? Well, it's simply your close family, of course. It's just the neighbor on the right side of you or the left side of you. That's the answer he actually wanted to hear. But, Je but Jesus came out with a story. He said, a man went from Jerusalem to Jericho. And on the way, robbers stripped him, beat him, and left him for dead. And by chance, a priest was traveling along that road. And when he saw the man, he went around him and continued on his way. Then a Levite came to that place. And when he saw the man, he too went around him and continued on his way. But a Samaritan, let me explain a little bit about what a Samaritan is. Samaritans were Jews that were interbreeding with Gentiles. They were looked down upon. They were marginalized. They were discriminated against. Jesus uses this person as a person to describe the rest of the story. So the Samaritan, as he was traveling along, came across the man. And when that Samaritan saw him, he felt sorry for him or had compassion on him. And he went to him, and he cleaned, and he bandaged his wounds. Then he put him on his own animal. He brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, the Samaritan took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. And he told the innkeeper this, take care of him. If you spend more than that, I will pay that on my return trip. Jesus says, of these three men, who do you think was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by robbers? And of course, the expert said, the one who was kind enough to help him. And Jesus told him, go and imitate his example. So would you have done what the Samaritan had done? Or, were, or would you be the priest and the Levite? And I got to be honest, sometimes for me, I'm too busy to stop and help people. I'm too busy to stop what I'm doing and actually help someone with their wounds and, and those kind of things. But I want you to think of a couple of these, these questions as we've read these verses. Can you think of a time when you were judged harshly? Can you think of a time when you were put down? Can you think of a time when you were passed over and treated as invisible? How did you feel about that experience? What did you go through in those times? We really need to, as we go through verses like this, to consider how we look at ourselves, but also how do we actually treat others? How do we look at them? What are our biases? What are our judgments? There's a theologian, a, Jew, a Jewish theologian. His name is Martin Buber. 
And he came up with a concept of how we relate to one another. And he called it an I-it or an I-thou. So I can be me, but how do I view you? If I look at you as an it, then I can just treat you as an object. I'm not concerned about you. I don't want to know what you're going through. I don't know emotionally how you're feeling. In fact, I can step on you to get wherever I want because I just see you as an it. But the I-thou concept is thou, you as a person, I see you created in God's image. I see you as worth something. I see you as valuable. I want to walk life with you. I want to know what's going on in your life. I will be moved with compassion and stop what I'm doing and actually jump into your life and support you. That's an I-thou concept. What are we doing with our lives? When we look at the Samaritan in this story, did he treat that guy who was robbed as an it? Or did he treat him as a thou, as a human being, somebody to uh, help and support and walk life with, and actually sacrifice something of his own life so that that person could be healed and strengthened and uh, have a life? To be emotionally mature in ongoing relationships, we don't know if this guy had a relationship with the Samaritan afterwards. We don't know what happened in this story afterwards. But when we have long, ongoing relationships, it's important for us to stay emotionally mature, that we look at the other person as a thou, as our neighbor. It requires that we see our spouse and our family, our friends, our coworkers, our church family, as neighbors. Can you turn to somebody to your left or your right and say, hi, neighbor? Somebody who doesn't have somebody beside them. Yeah, look across the aisle. <laughs> we are all neighbors. We don't want to just look at the person, you know, uh, like at work, or we don't want to just look at the person who's on our, you know, where we live, across the street. We are all neighbors. Every person we come into contact with becomes a thou. Somebody we care about. Somebody we see as created in God's image. Somebody that we see as uh, after his likeness. And we're going to be committed, as we're going through this series, my hope is, is that we'll be committed to learning and practicing these things, and that they don't just become words, but they actually transform us. That we actually do something with the things that all of us are sitting, standing up here talking about. Because trust me, I can tell you, as I've been diving into this, I have been challenged. Do I look at people as an it? I've got to admit, sometimes I do. Can I always look at people as a thou? That is my prayer. That is my hope. That to me is emotional maturity. Can I speak respectfully? Are we willing to learn these skills? Speaking respectfully, listening with empathy. Do I want to see what you see? Do I feel what you feel? Am I going to move through conflict with you, or am I going to hold a grudge and stay stuck? That's not good for either one of us. And am I willing to change 
Am I willing to have a change of heart, a change of attitude with you? Now, I don't know if we will be able to arrive at this kind of perfection this side of heaven. Wouldn't that be great if this church was known to, like, have no grudges, no conflict? Everyone loves everybody? That would be amazing. But how do you, you know, you know that when you get people together, there's going to be conflict, correct? Yeah, so we're going to have conflict. Let's just settle that right now. What are we going to do with it is what this series is about. Are we committed to change? Are we committed to transformation? And I'm here to tell you, it's not just a mind over matter thing. Like, you can't just put post-it notes all over the, hell, all over the house and just uh, lists of things that I need to remember, behaviors I need to change. It can't just be willpower. That's not going to do it. Unfortunately, you're going to fail miserably. The key is, the key is getting alone with God. The key is doing some business with God. Letting him in to those places that maybe you haven't let God in for a very long time. Are you willing to do that? Because see, if you sit with God, if you sit with God and you have relationship with God, a living God, it is really hard not to be changed. It is, it is allowing some of these conflicts and some of these things that we have in our life to let go it creates patience and tolerance. It creates nurturing. It creates a way of letting go of some of these things that we're holding against other people. And sitting in God's presence, he softens us if we will allow it. He will soften us. We become more pliable, maybe more patient, maybe a little bit more tolerant, and how about loving? Is that what we experience? This means that we receive God's love for us, that, that he has for us, that is unending, and that it goes down deep into our heart, and it doesn't just stay there, but we actually let it take root. We actually let it grow, and guess what growing does? It produces fruit in our life. That is the goal, to produce the fruit in our life. Now, how many know that there's good fruit, nutritious fruit, lovely fruit on our tree? But how many know that there's like some ugly, stinky, rotten fruit on our tree? Yes? Okay. Thank you. A few of you. That's good. We're being vulnerable. I love it. I love it. That's what this is about. So this is where we're going to begin to talk about some immature fruit. I'm going to talk about mature fruit. I want to hear from you this morning. We're going to talk about some fruit that's on our tree. So what do you think immature fruit, emotionally immature fruit looks like? Anybody? Envy. Envy. An ex-husband. Ex oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. What does immature fruit look like? Envy, an ex-husband. Sorry? Judgmental, selfish, blaming, bitterness, a couple more, impatient, stubborn, Ooh, that's a good one, 
anger. Somebody what? Pride. Yes. Okay, we're on the right track. You guys are hearing it, right? This is what immature fruit looks like, okay? <laughs> I got a story. My brother and I, my brother's about 14 months older than me, and uh, we would go at it every once in a while. We lived in a three-bedroom apartment with eight people. And uh, my brother and I, we had our beds. We had just single beds. And then between the beds, we had this uh, piece of plywood. And that was our bench press, okay? He was 16, I was 15. And we would do our reps, you know, on this, <laughs> on this piece of plywood. Well, I remember one day I was, I was doing my exercising, you know, and then I, I put the barbell down and I'm counting my one minute of rest. Well, my brother comes in while I'm doing my one minute of rest. And he just starts doing his, you know, uh, reps or whatever. And I'm going, okay, get off, it's my turn. He goes, no, I'm gonna stay on here. You know, I am not done yet. Well, of course, I get upset. And as he lifts the weight up like this, I push him off it. <laughs> and of course, the weight comes down on him and hits him and all this kind of stuff. And then I jump up on the bed and I'm doing one of these. <laughs> Come on, I'm ready to go with you. Do you know what he does? Remember the old days where you had the plastic weights that were full of concrete? <laughs> he grabs the five-pounder and wings it at me like a disc golfing, and he hits me in the chest. I go straight over my bed, and I'm laying there going, <gasps> Dad comes bursting in, what are you guys doing, right? My brother is like, I am so angry at him. I hate him. I <laughs> Dad goes to me, lying on the floor gasping for breath. You must have done something really horrible for him to hate you that much. I'm going, are you kidding? <laughs> My brother still has anger issues, by the way. Okay. That fruit is still on his tree, unfortunately. <laughs> but that is what happens. That's real life. So what does mature fruit look like? What does that look like? Love, joy, peace. We're going to go through all the fruits of the Spirit, aren't we? <laughs> Goodness, greatness, yes. Self-control, yeah, that's a good one, yes. I could spend a whole day on that one. Sorry? Forgiveness. Kindness. Grace. Patience. Sorry? Yes. Passion. Compassion. Mercy. We could go on and on. All of these things that are good fruit in our life. There's a story I want to tell. Rhonda, you told me this story the other day. And it still has really impacted me. She was, uh, we were talking on Thursday morning. I asked if I could share this story. Because normally on Thursday mornings, you don't go to the bank. So she decided, you know, I felt impressed to go to the bank. So she goes to the bank. She does all the banking for us here at Parkside. And so she pulls up, and the lineup is like out the door. And it's like, I mean, if it were me, I'd go, I'm coming back. But Rhonda still felt impressed to go into the bank. So she's standing in the lineup with all of her stuff. And this young man comes behind her. And he's all excited and he's a First Nations guy, and he's all excited, and Rhonda says, hey, what, uh, what's going on? He goes, 
I, I just got some money. I got a check, and uh, I can rent a place for my daughter and I. Is that correct? I get to rent a place for my daughter and I. He's so excited. Life is going to be different for him. So they sit and talk for a while, and then they go inside, and there's a few people still in front, and Rhonda's beginning to realize, I've got like 45 minutes worth of work to do here with the teller. Why don't I let this guy go in front of me? Because he's just going to be a quick few minutes. So she turns to him and says, hey, do you want my spot? He says, really? Wow. Thanks. So he's, again, still so excited. He goes up to the teller, and Rhonda was watching the transaction happen. This guy's still so excited. But the look on the teller's face was almost like disdain. So again, are we treating people as an it or a thou? Rhonda treated that young guy like a thou. The teller treated him like an it. And I'm saying, what are we going to do? Because my hope is, we were talking about it, the hope is, is that she will intercept in this guy's life somewhere down the road because God allowed this to happen. We'll see what happens with this young man in his life. But what are we going to do with this? You see, we can go from being, <laughs> we can go from moments of being emotionally mature to, motion, to moments of emotional immaturity back to emotional maturity. I remember one time I was sitting in the lineup to go to the border in Abbotsford. And, uh, you know, you got the single road, right? Because we were way back. I was way back. So you got the single road, and then it goes to a double road when you get close to the border. So I was uh, sitting there. It was a beautiful sunny day. Charlene actually let me drive her convertible, which was really nice of her. And I was sitting there listening to the word, and I was just, it was so peaceful. I just felt like God's presence. It was a beautiful sunny day. And I just let, you know, kind of the cars go in front of me, like five, five car lengths. And then I would put it in drive, and I would just slowly, I, I know I was one of those guys, right? I would leave some room between me and somebody else. So then I would just slowly go up to the next car, and then I'd put it in park, and I would just wait. God's presence and his spirit were so alive and well in the car. Well, one of these times when I had my eyes closed and just enjoying the sunshine and the word, the guy behind me in a big black pickup truck, he decides to zip by me on the right side and get in front of me. Then, that wasn't the end of it, okay? Then he looks out at his side uh, side view mirror and he points at me and laughs I am furious I could see myself grabbing that steering wheel and ripping it right out of the column I was like who does he think he is he took my spot nobody does that with me nobody gets out of well, oh yeah I was furious 10 seconds later, or 10 seconds before that, I was in the peace and presence of the Lord. <laughs> so as time went on, and I jotted down his license plate so Charlene could check on him later, <laughs> I noticed that his wife was in the car. I noticed that there was like a car seat bump. And I'm like, oh, that poor family. And then the Holy Spirit started gently, 
tugging. You know the Holy Spirit can be like a drip, right? Just, just keeps dripping until you pay attention. So I'm like, yes, Lord. Well, you know, like a minute ago, you were in my presence. <laughs> yes, I know, but this guy, well, why don't you pray for this guy? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> okay, okay, I'll pray. Lord, just bless this jerk. Please do something with them. I'm telling you, it wasn't that sincere. It was not. It's bad fruit, right? It was still bad fruit. There was a bad, diseased branch in my life right then. But the Holy Spirit wanted to do something with that. So I did. I began to pray. I literally, earnestly began to pray. Do you know what came back? The presence and the peace of the Lord. I didn't know this guy. Uh, but I honestly began to pray, God, would you intercept his life? Would he come to know your love like I do? Would he spend eternity with you? Would he be a good model to his wife and his kids? Like, this is how I began to pray. And I let it all go. I had the music on again, and I'm in the presence of the Lord. And then the road splits into two. I let him go in that aisle, and I stayed in this one. And I'm getting up to the border, and I notice the nexus line is empty. And out, the, the border guard comes out of the booth, and he's standing at the end of the nexus line, and he's doing one of these. And I'm thinking, oh, am I in trouble? And I'm looking around, and he's going like, no, you. I go, me? Yeah, you. He goes, So I get out of line, and I go in through the Nexus line. I'm the only car. I couldn't believe it. To me, it was like a miracle. <laughs> I could not believe it. But that's what God does with his kids sometimes. He gives them just a little thing to let you know, I'm, I see you. I'm thinking about you. I'm, I want to do something. The, like That's never happened before. But uh, God did something really kind of neat, kind of special. So becoming emotionally mature is not easy. Was Jesus emotionally immature or emotionally mature? Emotionally mature. Did he have conflict in his life? Right. We're going to talk about that for a bit. I, I just want to park here for a second. How many don't mind conflict? Like how many you don't may necessarily start it, or maybe you do? But how many don't mind stepping into conflict every once in a while? Hey, don't look around and judge. There's a few people here. Okay. Yep. How many avoid conflict at all costs? <laughs> okay. So the majority of us avoid conflict at all costs. Can I blow up a myth about conflict this morning? Okay. Let me blow up a myth about conflict. We cannot avoid conflict. Now, there's two things that happen with conflict. It's either external or it's internal, okay? External is pretty self-explanatory. I mean, you're going to give your, your opinions or whatever's going on, you're going to give it a voice. But internal, that means it goes inside. I call it swallowing hand grenades. Because there is an explosion going on inside of you that is wrecking havoc in your life. And yet nobody would know it on your face. You actually look like everything's fine. 
But meanwhile, there's an explosion of collateral damage going on inside of you. And like I said, nobody would know that. So this is where God does not want us to stay. How many know we have a lot of conversations going on up here that never come out here? Maybe that's a good thing. I mean, maybe. But God hears all those conversations that are going on up here, even if they don't come out here. And he doesn't want us to live there. He doesn't want us to stay there. He, that's not what he has for our lives. That's not abundant life. That's not freedom that he talks about. He doesn't want us to stay here. So what do we do with this conflict, Tom? That is a great question. That is a great question. If we don't have any goals for conflict, I'll tell you what conflict turns out to be. All-out war. Because someone has to win and somebody has to lose. Somebody has to be right and somebody has to be wrong. Can we today have a new goal for conflict? I don't know if you're writing things down, but if you are, write this down. A new goal for conflict. That we get to know each other in a deeper, more meaningful way. That's why I want to share things with you. Because I want to know what I'm doing that hurts you and offends you and wounds you. I want to know what I'm doing. But I want you also to know what you're doing. We actually get to know each other. When we get below the surface of all of this other stuff that we're showing, if we get below the surface and we're safe enough and we love each other enough and it's out of God's love for us that we show that to each other, are we going to feel safe enough to share that kind of stuff with each other? I don't want it to intentionally hurt. I don't want to intentionally offend, but I'm going to. I just want to let you know that. I am going to. But if I do, would you come and talk to me about it? And not hold on to it. Not use it as a, as a, as a means to an end to hold on to a grudge. That's not what this is about. And how many know that we don't resolve conflict? Wouldn't you like to resolve conflict? Yes? Okay. Remember, participation. <laughs> we would love to resolve conflict. Do you know there's only one way to resolve conflict? Are you ready for this? Do you want to hear it this morning? Okay. A commitment to a change in behavior. It's a commitment to a change. Notice I said commitment and not instantaneous change in behavior. But it's a commitment to a change in behavior. We've got to give people grace to make mistakes, time to change, time to be transformed. We've got to give that to that person. But that doesn't give you a free pass to take years to do it. It doesn't give you a free pass. Because I made a commitment I'm going to change. You made a commitment with me that you're going to change to resolve this conflict. But what happens when it keeps happening over and over and over again? Guess what we're stuck in? A cycle of conflict. That is not where we want to be. We do not want to be in this cycle of conflict. You know the definition of insanity. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. That's not what we want to have here, and that's not where God wants us to stay. This becomes frustrating, exhausting, depressing, and maddening when we get caught in this conflict 
or the cycle of conflict. So if this keeps happening, Tom, what can I do? What can I do when I am caught in this cycle of conflict? Well, first of all, continue to bring it to the Lord because we, if we're in a spiritual battle, it requires a spiritual response. So we need to bring it to the Lord. Ah, done. <laughs> we need to bring it to the Lord. There. We need to bring it to the Lord. We need to invite God into this conflict. The other thing is, too, we need to, we need to have people come alongside of us. Don't do it alone. You've got pastors here that will help you. You've got pastors that will support you. You've got pastors that will walk this through with you. And maybe it's time to have other people come into that conflict with you. Get professional help, whatever that looks like. But just know you do not have to do it alone. You do not have to do it alone. Can we have the worship team just come up and play quietly? I just want to spend a few minutes at the end here. Just would we allow the Holy Spirit to just speak to our hearts? If there's a place of conflict in your life right now, or you're in conflict with somebody, or there's a situation where you're in conflict, I'm just asking the Holy Spirit to show that to you right now. Is there a branch in your life that is diseased that needs to be cut out because it's got bad fruit in it? Is your desire to be emotionally mature? And that's not easy. That is not easy. But inviting God into that situation. Is there a person? Is there somebody that's coming to your mind? And would you pray for that person this morning? Would you pray for that situation or circumstance? We're going to take a couple minutes to do some business with God. We're going to take a couple minutes. Because this isn't just about throwing a bunch of words around. This is about letting it go inside, letting it be like a seed that drops in. And maybe today the Holy Spirit talks to you about praying a blessing over that person. If that's not there for you today, do not force that. It's not about this. Maybe God just wants to bring up the emotions of whatever's going on for you. And that you would give that to God. And that's all that you've got today. That's fine. Just do whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking to you to do. Because we don't want to leave here today if we still have some of that fruit in our lives. We want God to cut that branch out. If there's grudges that you've got, you want God to cut that branch out and be a different person, to go beneath the surface. So we just take a couple minutes right now and just, again, just, just do some business with God. Do some business with the Holy Spirit.
Father, this morning, thank you. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your grace towards us. Thank you that you do not hold a grudge against the things that we do. Father, would we do that for others? Would we do that for ourselves? Would we not hold ourselves in contempt? God, would we know that you value us so much that you sent your son here to redeem us and restore us to yourself. Father, if, there's, if there is some things in our life, if you have exposed those branches that are dead and dying and rotten, would you cut them out of our life? Or would you replace it with healthy, vibrant, life-giving fruit, Lord, not only for ourselves, but for those around us. Would they experience us differently today? And Lord, would we not leave here without doing business with you in these very areas that you're putting your heart, or your, your finger on this morning? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.